Hey, welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, welcome. What you need to know about this podcast is that it's been for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow your fundamentals, but in bite-sized segments of time. Also pretty cool, I got an email from Berksy, which put together this year's roundup of Berksy's 15 best physical therapy podcasts for 2022. So um, thank you guys so much for the support. This would be nothing without you guys. And my hope is that if there's any way I can help you, you, you just reach out. It doesn't always have to be a question. You can just say hello, all that kind of stuff. So I'll put the link to the article down below in the show notes if you want to check it out. But again, thank you guys for everything that you do. I am so lucky to have you guys and, um, you know, just excited to keep seeing where we go together in this. And so today we're going to be talking about something called a pancos tumor. And especially if you've been studying for your OCS or your um, orthopedic clinical specialist exam, probably want to know this for, um, you know, sometimes this shows up on the exam itself in small quantities, but um, it's also super important for us just being able to catch it in the first place. Because here's the thing, a lot of times these patients have severe shoulder or arm pain and guess what? These patients end up in physical therapy. And for these patients in particular, early diagnosis is absolutely key because the overall prognosis, which we'll talk about a little bit more, is not so great. So the sooner that we can be mindful of the fact that, hey, they might not be getting better because it might not be musculoskeletal in nature, the sooner that these patients can actually get the help that they need to. So with these patients, first of all, let's just talk about what is a pancos tumor. So essentially, these are just tumors that are in the superior sulcus or the apex of the lung, um, right up there at the top, essentially. So this is in 3 to 5% of lung cancers, and you'll typically see this more often in men than women, usually in their sixth decade of life, um, especially in patients who are smokers and have had no history of trauma or neurological disease. And the reason that I bring up neurological disease is that a lot of their symptoms are mainly just because there's a big tumor in that area. And this can cause several issues just by your understanding of knowing anatomy in this region of the lung that can cause symptoms on the arm. So in these patients, as I mentioned before, in 96% of them, they're going to have severe shoulder and arm pain, especially along the distribution of the C8, T1, and T2 nerve trunks. And this could be secondary to the brachial plexus, could be from pleural invasion, or even just extension of the tumors into the ribs or the vertebral bodies. And, um, you know, obviously the more widespread the tumor is, the more damage that is done and the less, less positive the outlook it is for these patients. These patients might even have something called Horner syndrome, which is essentially an interruption of the sympathetic nerve chain running to the head. So these are the symptoms that you'll see a lot of times with Horner syndrome. There's ipsilateral ptosis or drooping or falling of the upper eyelid. They'll have meiosis, which is basically they have persistent constricted pupils. And then anhydrosis is the inability to sweat on the ipsilateral side. Um, so that is Horner syndrome. Now, if the tumor is bad enough, it, as I mentioned, it can even in, extend into the intervertebral foramina, 
but it could also cause paraplegia or spinal cord compression if it's bad enough. If it's into the surrounding nerve roots, especially if we're talking about the ulnar nerve, um, which are the nerve roots C8 and T1, that can cause weakness and atrophy in the intrinsic muscles of the hand, and then also paresthesia over the fourth and fifth digits of the hand in the medial aspect of the arm and forearm, which should make sense, right? Again, utilizing your understanding of anatomy, if it's in the apex of the lung, these are the nerve roots that are going to be closest in proximity, and we know that the ulnar nerve controls a lot of intrinsics in the hand. So you could probably have worked that out yourself, but if you see that, maybe it'll ring some bells in your head. Now, if, for instance, if in our medical system, these patients have a high suspicion for this, especially if, hey, we can't really reproduce their symptoms in the clinic, they're not getting better, they still have these symptoms, and we're pretty sure that we've done right by them in terms of our treatments, um, you know, ideally they wouldn't be in our clinic in the first place, but maybe we refer them back to their doctor. And then that doctor might, typically on their first step, if they haven't already, get a plain chest x-ray. And while we've mentioned before, it's kind of hard to see soft tissue on here. You can look for soft tissue opacity at the apex of the lung, or even if just there's asymmetry of the apices greater than five millimeters on the imaging. So it, it may show up in the x-ray. Now, if we're looking for bony involvement, then you can use a CT scan for just seeing the extent of the tumor. But just keep in mind that this has a poor sensitivity and specificity for like local staging of the tumor itself. But again, great for bony involvement, being able to see that. And then the MRI is going to be the most specific and sensitive for local stagings because you're going to be able to see the lung tissue, the blood vessels, spinal cord involvement, and then brachial plexus invasion. Now, in terms of differential diagnoses, this is when I get to practice my pronunciation skills. Um, some others that have been listed in research for differentials would be mesothelioma, pulmonary metastases from cervix, larynx, liver, thyroid, primary chest wall tumors, adenoid cystic sarcoma, hemangiopericytoma, lymphoma, plasma cytoma. Now, let's say we're, we're doing the workup. We've found out, we've ruled out these other things, we've ruled in a pancose tumor, then what are they going to do? Well, they're probably not going to do physical therapy. That's, that's probably a given. But they're probably going to need some follow-up testing in terms of just, again, establishing the staging, getting a biopsy, that kind of thing. Um, standard treatment since the 80s has pretty much been induction, chemo, chemoradiotherapy, and then that followed by radical resection of the tumor. Some contraindications that I saw to getting the surgery would be if there was extensive invasion of the brachial plexus, especially above the T1 nerve root, involvement of the intervertebral foramina, involvement of soft tissue at the base of the neck, mediastinal, per perinodal, or contralateral supraclavicular nodal involvement, venous in or venous obstruction, and then some relative contraindications would be like involvement of the vertebral bodies, involvement of the subclavian artery, or if it's spread to the ipsilateral supraclavicular lymph nodes. So essentially, we're looking at with this surgery, how widespread is it, and can we do something positive for this? As I mentioned, the prognosis is pretty poor. And the longer the duration, the worse the prognosis. A lot of the main factors that go into this are the T status of the tumor, so it's worse for a T4 tumor. Um, 
their response to the induction treatment is going to be a big tell as well. Like their prognosis is going to be better if they're a complete responder. And then also completeness of the resection. And that is also, again, dependent on the T status of the tumor and the response of the tumor to induction treatment. So there we have it. That's Panko's tumor. Um, Things that should ring alarm in your bell is with patients in their sixth decade of life, men, smokers, no known trauma, aren't getting better with PT. Um, These are things that are pretty concerning to us. So that's it for today. If you guys have any questions, just reach out at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com and I would be happy to answer any and all questions to the best of my abilities. You can also find me on Instagram at pt underscore snacks. And then um, if you're in need of CEUs, go ahead and check out MedBridge. There's a link below where you can get like 40% off a year subscription to MedBridge. And they have like thousands of CEU courses. They have webinars. They even have a patient home exercise program, which I use on the daily at work. Um, So definitely recommend that. And then if you want to support the show, please do so. You can go to buy me a coffee down below. Um, There's a subscription where you just... And put your information. It's like three dollars a month, and that just goes literally towards helping me pay for overhead and also just get help to keep putting out high quality, free content for you guys. Because again, I believe in the mission of this, and I want everyone to be able to benefit from this and not be limited by time and or resources. So, have a great rest of your day, and until next time. <laughs>